Today's episode is going to be a discussion that is so, so near and dear to my heart. I'm so grateful to my guest for being here. Stacy Ifa has more than 20 years of leadership experience in the nonprofit sector and currently serves as the executive director of Selah Freedom, which is a faith-based nonprofit anti-human trafficking organization based in Florida and the Midwest with the mission to end sex trafficking and bring freedom to the exploited through awareness, prevention, outreach, residential, and organizational consulting. Uh, again, appreciate you guys so much for joining me. Hope the content of this episode blesses you, um, challenges you, makes you think. If it does, if you consider subscribing or uh, leaving a comment or a review on one of the podcast platforms, that would be absolutely amazing. And Stacy, I apologize because I forgot to ask before we started here. I don't know if I pronounced your last name correctly or not. Yes, Efal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like 90% sure, but I meant I to ask you that before we started. And I, I've it's so simple, but everyone wants to make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to make, th I tend to overcomplicate things unnecessarily. So <laughs> I, I do that too. <laughs> um, so would you, would you share as we get started here, Stacey, would you uh, just talk a little bit about what brought you personally to this world of, uh, of anti-human trafficking. How did this all kind of pan out for you? How did you get to be doing what you're doing today as the executive director of Selah Freedom? I have, my whole career has been in nonprofits. I started off, you know, working as a director of a food pantry, and then I went on to help at the Humane Society and then Habitat for Humanity. So it's kind of been my career. And actually a previous board member that I worked for sent me the job description and said, I think you'd be perfect for this. And I read it and I honestly put it aside for about three weeks because the mission is so tough. And I kind of had a idea of what I would be getting into, but I just kept feeling this tugging at my heart and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I went ahead and applied for the job and got the position and have absolutely loved it. And how long have you been in the position you're in now? Two years. I've been with Sailor Freedom for two years. And okay. it's been very eye-opening. There is yeah. a whole world that I did not know anything about. So I always tell people you know, not to feel bad if you don't know everything, because a lot of us don't know, because it's a world that we don't participate in. So how would you really know much about it unless you hear somebody speak? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I appreciate you saying that. And so let's start in kind of a, a, a broad, kind of a basic place. And um, I want to just ask you, you know, if you could explain what exactly is human trafficking? Because I, I think everybody probably listening to this has at least some idea <laughs> of what that is. But the idea that a lot of a, a lot of people, I think, might have in their minds is probably something that maybe they've seen on a TV show or in a movie some like, you know, sex trafficking ring is discovered or something like that. And it's like some big kind of crime syndicate related thing that's going on or something like that. But I think that the way that, you know, human trafficking is actually transpiring right under our noses a lot of times all around us in, you know, every state in our country and, uh, you know, all around us really is is not always you know, the, the picture of what somebody might have. So would you kind of describe in your own words, like what is human trafficking? Maybe give an idea of a little bit of the spectrum of what it actually looks like in our world today. Yeah, human trafficking is more the, the broader term. So that includes labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So both of them. 
Um, and to, so for someone to be trafficked, you have to approve fraud, force, coercion, or exchange of money. So there is like definitions that, you know, a police officer may have to go through with a victim to make sure they really have been trafficked, not doing things on their own free will. But yeah, human trafficking, it's, it encompasses all forms of trafficking where, you know, sex trafficking is just, you know, sexual exploitation. And then labor is just labor. So we actually help victims of both. And what would you, what's like the m more common form? You know, our main mission really is um, sex trafficking. So that is what we tend to encounter the majority of the times. Mm -hmm. But there are times when we'll work with the, like the police department on a prostitution sting and we'll come in and raid a place and they will actually have somebody there being forced to work there as well. You'll see these often in, you know, different types of establishments like the 24-hour massage parlors. You might have someone being trafficked up front as a receptionist being forced to work there and another person being trafficked in a sexual way in the back room. So wow. there could be both in one place. Wow. So if we find victims, we're going to help all of them. But our main focus really is helping victims of sex trafficking. Gotcha. Wow. So you, you mentioned that um, you've been with, with Selah for uh, two years. It's been very eye-opening, as, as I'm sure we can, we can imagine. What would you say is like, you know, something or maybe one or two things that you've kind of, you know, discovered being, being a part of this world that people might not be super aware of, you know, something that might be surprising to find out uh, about what this actually is or, or something that's, that that's involved here. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I learned so much. If I had to pick a couple items, it would be just how prevalent of a problem that it is. It's, it's huge and it's very organized systems of crime that control it. Um, and also how prevalent it is in the United States. Um, I don't know if you've seen the recent movie um, about freedom and it's a, a yes. great, great movie. I loved it. I'm so glad that it's, you know, being yeah. out there getting That's awareness, nice. but um, it really focused on international trafficking and we have just the exact same thing happening here in the U S. Mm. So th those are yeah, and the prevalence of it and the fact that it's happening right here and the labor trafficking. I often thought that was just, you know, factories over in third world countries, but it's happening here too, which I didn't know. It's really, it's really incredible to think about, right? And the, the example that you gave a minute ago about how it could be, you know, somebody receptionist at a, the example you gave was a massage parlor or something like yeah. that. The 24 know, hour somebody, massage parlors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, a particular kind of massage parlor, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so the, so the, so the, it could be the the person working in reception up there, and it's like, okay, so so here's where mine goes. My, my mind goes. Excuse me. Um, how is that person in in a scenario like that? How is that person? Obviously, they're not. You know, they're not like being kept in a cage or you know locked in a room maybe they are at night i don't know but i mean during, during like during the time there they're there as in that receptionist role there's like a door that's opening and closing like how are they staying there why are they staying there i'm wondering like with 
the the pervasiveness of this problem and we'll get into some statistics and numbers and different things that are going on as we as we go forward in our discussion here but with the pervasiveness of of how this is going on um in all of our major cities it's going on in you know smaller you know areas as well but it's going on all over our country here in the US like how does that continue how does that person stay there and no one discovers that this person's actually being trafficked. Well, traffickers are very controlling and manipulative. So it's almost like you ask, I, I often had the question too, why doesn't someone leave their abusive spouse? You know, I always feel like if I was being physically beat, I would leave. Um, yeah. But the traffickers really is a lot of mind control. You get a lot of Stockholm syndrome um, happening. A lot of mind control, physical control. They control their money. It's basically they have ultimate control over that person so much that the person is more fearful of the trafficker than fearful of what the acts the trafficker is making them do. And often they uh, feel they can't leave. Like they don't, they can't see a way out or what would I do? The, con the threats that they give them are just horrible. You know, they'll threaten them. They'll, you know, physically beat them up, abuse them. Then they also threaten, you know, if you if you leave, I'm going to do this to your sister, your brother. I know where your parents leave. Um, there's a new tactic that some of them are doing, especially for the younger victims. They'll buy them a pet, a little dog or a little cat. And if they don't do what they're supposed to do, they'll abuse the animal in front of them. So it is complete mind control. And again, also, yeah. they control the money. They control, you know, they make sure they know where they're at. And it's it's very hard for them to get out. Wow. Related question. How, what's like a typical scenario for how this might start, how somebody might get swept up into this, this world of being trafficked either for labor exploitation or for, you know, sexual exploitation. Um, is there a lot of just blatant, like kidnapping type stuff that happens? Is it more of like a, uh, grooming process over a period of time. Uh, I know social media, of course, these days is very much involved in the process, but like paint a picture for like, what's a typical scenario for how, let's just say a, a, a child or, you know, maybe adolescent or somebody like that, that might get swept up into this world. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about domestically in the U S typically, what we've seen is the average age of somebody getting into sex trafficking, I lost my screen, sorry, is oh, 12 okay. to 14 years old. So typically it's a, a early teenage years is when it starts to happen. And I would say a high percentage of them, not all of them, this is just I'm saying a high percentage are children that are from homes that maybe not are the best situations to be in. And also a lot of them in foster care. So this, the traffickers are very good at finding people that are vulnerable. Um, mm. You know, if a kid's coming from a really good home with strong parents that he can or she can go talk to, um, the parents are involved, the parents are looking on the phone, like there's a, a family unit that's communicating, it's a little bit less likely. I'm not gonna say it can't happen because it can, um, but you kind of see the same thing with drug use too. Um, any child can get caught up using drugs but typically it's happening from a higher percentage of homes that are broken. So often these children are looking for love. They're looking for someone to like them. And the, the kidnapping off the street is a small percentage. It does happen. So I won't say don't, don't 
got to be aware, but that's yeah. a smaller percentage. It's typically someone that the child knows. It can be a neighbor, an uncle, a friend, someone they meet online, but the person befriends them. And then that's when the whole grooming process starts. So it's, it's, it is a slow process and the traffickers are very good at it and they know how to make the person feel special, feel loved. And then it kind of goes from there. They start asking them to do things and then it's, it, they make them feel like they're, you know, I'm your boyfriend, I'm gonna take care of you. And they make a lot of promises and then the situation changes. Wow. So it is, you know, but they take their time in doing it. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I found um, interesting as as I've like looked into this more and more is that sometimes that can be a a long process, right? Right. And it's like the the commitment of these people to like put so much energy and 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 all this effort and time and and everything into emotionally and psychologically uh, manipulating kids and in some cases you know young adults and and uh, uh i guess probably you know people into their 20s and stuff like that as well right yeah um, yes. but you know this this process of like this psychological manipulation to suck people in as you said i mean it's such a heartbreaking thing to think about it's like it these is. kids that are already from a, a broken home or from a situation where as you said, they're looking for love. They're looking for some kind of belonging. They're looking for somewhere to belong. That's how we see kids, you know, get swept up into gangs and things like that as well. So often it's like, oh, well, um, you know, you might not have these connections in your life that are meaningful. So let me kind of draw you in by letting you feel like you're a part of something. We're going to offer you community. We're going to offer you maybe some money. We're going to offer you some things that you haven't been able to experience before. And before they know it, it just gets darker and darker and often becomes something that they're that they're trapped in and would like to get out if they could, but don't know how. And it, just thinking about the level here of that, that just that level of manipulation and psychological abuse that goes on that would keep somebody staying somewhere um, when they probably in some cases they might be able to physically run away. But because of what's been. Uh, because of that 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 fear that that really they've been manipulated with of you know something bad happening to them or to somebody that they love or to a pet oh my goodness it's just it's uh it's unbelievable um yeah i ne i never knew that humans can do what they do to other people until i learned a lot more about this this yeah. industry and it's it's very sad but yeah. that's the the tough part of the the job <laughs> i have to say yeah, and I, I did. I did see the movie Sound of Freedom. I've been talking about it as much as I can because uh, I I want people Highly to get out there and see it. Yes, it's so good because yes. I th I think what it does is it um it in so in a dramatized way that that can be you know there's an entertainment aspect to it. It's a very well done movie. Um, it stands up right. Like even if it right. wasn't a true story, like it would stand up as a as a movie where you would say, "Wow, this is in this is interesting." That there's some you know dark aspects of it where I think they do a very good job of really showing you like without I, becoming sexually explicit you know in in a movie because we're dealing with kids in the in the movie so without become doing it in a, in a way that would make it impossible for people to go and watch I think yes. they do a very good <laughs> job of kind of taking you to that line and making it very very clear like this is this is what this is this is how dark this is this is how 
you know, grotesque this is. And, and I think because it's in a, a movie that it gives us opportunity to get out and see it together in community. And I think that there's something so, so valuable about that in, in terms of raising awareness and, and stuff like that. Because, because again, I think a lot of this stuff, even that you've already mentioned, it's unknown to a lot of people. Yes. It has brought in a lot of awareness. We've gotten a lot of calls, emails, people wanting to help out now. So it's it's really, we're so grateful they did the movie. Um, it, it is a tough topic. Sometimes I don't like people to ask me what I do for a living because <laughs> you see their face immediately, you know, like, like oh, I don't want to hear about that. And I, and I get it. A few years ago, I didn't want to hear about it. But now I've learned so much about it. I've become so passionate that I want to help. You know, and, and I've seen the success that we've had with victims at Sailor Freedom, and that's what really keeps me going. So that is the bright side. And then, you know, we do a lot with the prevention of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about um, what Sailor Freedom does. And yeah, because that was one of the questions I had, too. It's like, and like to to be in to be involved in this and to be kind of around this stuff, to hear these stories and to see the hurt and the pain. Um, and to know that there's even, you know, so much more going on, it, it's like, it, that's gotta be so heart wrenching, but it's the other aspect of it, right? It's the aspect of, you know, we know that we're making a difference. We can see the difference that people are being rescued. People are being freed and people are not just getting like out, but they're actually being, you know, rehabilitated and restored and walking through a process of, of healing, um, would you talk a little bit about um, what you all do? Because I know there's stuff on the prevention end, the educational side, uh, raising awareness and all of that. But then, of course, the actual nitty gritty of pulling people out and putting them through a, in a process of education and healing. So would you guys, would you talk about the just kind of the, the spectrum of what you guys do? Yeah, um, the prevention side really is working with the youth and parents and people that work with youth and we educate them. And really what we try to do is arm the children with knowledge and what to do if they are in a situation where they're uncomfortable, because often these children are being approached by a, an adult that they trust. And that's what's even more difficult. You know, if you're yeah. approached by a scary, mean looking stranger in the park, you know to run, but it, when it's your yeah. neighbor, it's a little bit more difficult. So we have curriculum from kindergarten through college. And of course it's age appropriate curriculum where we just teach children on, you know, appropriate relationships, starting in elementary school, like body parts, bathing suit areas, difference between a secret and a surprise, you know, what is it, mm, what's good, well, what, you know, if, if you're being told not to tell your mom something, it's probably not a good thing. Identifying three safe adults that they can go to if something happens. You know, I read a report and it was, this report was put together, anybody can find it, by the US Department of Education, it's from 2010. And it said, by the time a child gets from kindergarten through 12th grade in the public school system, they will be approached by at least one school employee for a sexual relationship. And I thought, I mean, the school department wow. knows that, that, and that's a 13 year old study. So the chances are your child's gonna be approached by somebody. Um, so teaching them what to do if they're in that situation. And then, and then also teaching parents how to build that relationship where the child is not ashamed and they feel they can come talk to the parents. Cause you'll see, there was a situation um, in another County 
a little girl was lured from a birthday party by a neighbor. She was six years old mm. and he brought her to his house during a birthday party and um, sexually molested her, made her watch videos, took her back to the party. Well, when her wow. mom picked her up, she told her mom. So the police were called, thank goodness. But when they went to wow. his house, they found he had done this to hundreds of children. So why do those hundreds of children not speak up? You know, so what can you do with your own child to build that relationship that if something does happen to them, that they're not ashamed, they know it's not their fault and that they feel like they can come talk to you. So that's why we try to work with parents and kids, you know, like yeah. how to react if this does happen to your kid. Cause I know my reaction would be probably want to go, you know, <laughs> strangle the person. Yeah. So that's kind of what we do with the elementary school and with people that, with people that work with youth, we try to ask, you know, like have them identify warning signs that a child might be being, you know, molested okay. or abused or trafficked. So those are some of the things that we focus on the prevention. And then also having just a lot of free education on our websites, people can go to and watch. And then we do a lot of in-person trainings. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the, I don't know if these are hard and fast numbers or, or just a, a speculation, but the ratio between um, girls and boys, you know, as far as I, I've, I've always heard that it's, you know, more, more girls that are, are trafficked than, than boys. One of the things though, that I found, um, I thought was really, I, I, I just thought it was great that the way they, they did it in the movie in sound of freedom was they showed both and, and they really showed, they, they kind of really focused in on some of the, the little boys, because I think that, in our minds, we're we're more maybe conditioned just to, to think that our girls are more at risk, and that may be the case. I, I feel like I'm, I'm sure the numbers are probably still more heavily uh, swayed that way, but I thought that, that was something really powerful that the movie did that they actually focused on 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 both sides of of the equation there. So what what is kind of the what have you what have you seen in terms of you know, how, how much on, on, on either side there? I don't have a hard statistic, but I do know that often the boys, it goes unreported. Um, a lot of boys deal with a lot of shame, more shame. I mean, I mean the girls deal with shame as well, um, but they're less likely to report it happening than a girl is. Um, so I think the movie was so good because it, I feel like sometimes parents with little boys don't worry as much, you know, like you said, we tend to worry about girls, you know, um, and even teenage boys, we think, oh, they're strong. They can take care of themselves and maybe physically they can, but mentally they're still able to be manipulated. So mm -hmm. I, I love that the movie brought that aspect out on our side from what we deal with is probably, you know, more 90% women and 10% men. But again, I feel like it's just so underreported. They just don't report what's happening to them. It's kind of the same with domestic violence too. A lot of men won't report mm. if they're being abused, you know, physically, domestically. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Are, are, are you aware of um, any kind of a, a difference in the psychological manipulation that would take place between, you know, is it different in the way that uh, you know, a predator um, would go after a little girl or a teenage girl as opposed to a teenage boy or something like that. Like, are there is there a different mechanism in place uh, as far as just even psychologically um, in in the, in what uh, I, I guess what I'm thinking about is 
where so, where the vulnerability might be and is are they the, would you say that they're pretty much the same or are there differences there that would you know maybe put a a young girl more at risk as opposed to a young boy or something like that I, with a lot of the girls that we've dealt with they're looking more for love um you know and the boys it might be more like a friendship like a pal but ultimately it's love to you know to attention um very similar tactics but i mean i'm sure the trafficker adjusts to whatever is going to get that person mm. but it's still a lot of the same mental mental stuff that they do regardless well oh man i know it's, it's a tough topic it's just so heavy it's just so heavy but no i i mean i appreciate this so much i appreciate um so much what what you do and what your organization does um because obviously this is such a it's such a pervasive problem i mean they, they bring out these statistics in the movie right of um and you can you know we can look these up other places too but you know 160 billion dollar a year industry they say they say two million is like the number that they're aware of, I guess, or the, their right. closest estimate based on what they know, but you know, 2 million just kids a year being pulled into this. And so on that, I, you know, I've been th thinking a lot about the, the supply versus demand aspect of this, right? Because mm -hmm. there, this is only growing as it's growing and, you know, getting to the point of like, essentially rivaling the the drug trade as far as illegal criminal activity that goes on on our planet it's becoming so much more pervasive and there's more going on because there must be a, a demand increasing and i don't i don't know like what do we what do we attribute that to do you have any <laughs> any, well, any thoughts there i mean i think just also we're becoming more aware of it i think the yeah. internet has definitely made it more prevalent and easier to, um, I want to say, uh, to, to make the act happen because, you know, they, they place ads online where before you'd have to like know somebody who knew somebody and now you can mm. just search online and figure it out. So I think it's just a little bit more um, easily available, which, you know, internet has good things, but also not good things. Um, and I think just our awareness is increasing um, but no, I agree with you. I you, I didn't hear about this growing up. If you heard it maybe happening something to one child that you knew growing up and that might have been it. But now it seems to be just yeah. a lot more prevalent. And uh, I don't have a ton of answers for that one. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. How could you? Right. It's right. It's, but yeah, I mean, when I even I mean, when I was growing up, so we're talking. I'm 37, I think so. <laughs> not even 30 years ago you know when i'm when i'm a kid and i'm you know 10 years old 12 years old and i'm leaving the house and riding my bike for miles and i'm you know going to friends houses without parental supervision and walking to the park and walking to the store to buy a soda and candy or whatever like it wasn't a thing but these are things that now like with my my kids i have a i have a 12 year old and a 12 year old boy and an eight year old boy and with them, there's like this protective thing in me because it's just so much, I'm so much more aware of stuff that's going on in the world. And I don't want to shelter them. Like, I don't want to, 
not let them do fun stuff and not let them have some freedom as they've, you know, as they're becoming more mature and as they're growing up and and earning things. Of course, I don't want to be stupid about it either, but like, you know, I, I don't want to want to shelter. I I think when we shelter our kids, that often has the opposite effect as they get a little bit older and they discover how to, you know, maybe get some freedom on their own without permission, then rebellion becomes a a real big, a real big deal. But, you know, I don't know. So like, what, what is, is this all stuff that you would talk about, like in the preventative kind of awareness type side of things, like as far as helping parents to kind of navigate, I'm sure some of this depends too on where you live and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, what are some things that kind of go into that, that could just help, you know, me, for example, as a, a, a parent of some, you know, kids that are coming into that, you know, adolescent age and, and all that kind of stuff where, you know, like they just, there's stuff that they need to be aware of. Like, what are, what are some things that, that might be helpful just from the, from the parental parent to child kind of dynamic to help them? You mentioned some things already, I guess, but. Yeah. Well, we did about the open communication and just discussing this with your child. It's, it's an uncomfortable topic, but bringing it up so that they're going to probably be squirming as you're talking about it, but at least they know, okay, dad knows this could happen if I'm ever in this position, I'm supposed to call dad. Like, I mean, it's better to talk about it. Right. Um, other things like I've, I read an interview by a trafficker and I found it interesting and he's, he approached all of his victims online and his victims were children and adults. Um, they often don't just go after children's often adults gotcha. too. But um, he said with children, one of the first questions he'll ask, is does your mom or dad get on your, your phone or computer? And if, if they go, yeah, my mom's always on my phone. She's so annoying. He won't, he stops talking Ooh. to them. Mm. So just a simple act of getting on your kid's phone and going through it, whether you know what you're doing or not, <laughs> and it drives the kids crazy, but at least they kind of have a feeling, oh, I can't hide things on my phone. My mom's or dad's going to go through it, or I can't hide things on my computer. Um, you know, unfortunately, they, they come through the video games, too. Like, we had two teenage boys that were trafficked through Fortnite. They were found over in St. Petersburg um, in a trailer park. And so Fortnite, I mean, it's a video game, but just talking yeah. to your children. And, and I know we all say stranger danger and this and that, but it's it's that person they're talking to on the game that they play with weeks after week that they're building that relationship with. Those are almost mm. more the ones you got to worry about. And, you know, just educating them about it, um, having them watch some of our trainings online. You know, we go to the schools and do it, but I think it's important for parents to, you know, take some of the responsibility too on their own and help teach their kids Yeah, about it. Yeah, that's really and then, But give them freedom too. I agree, like you don't want them to grow up in a box, but I think, you know, educating them is the best thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, I love, you know, you, you kind of, talked about um i don't know if you use this terminology or not but you mentioned some like like helping them develop like situational awareness like that kind of thing where uh yeah like be, being aware of like my, my wife has been doing this with uh, with our boys lately is like when we go somewhere you know she'll kind of she'll she'll pause and and she'll ask them some questions to just try to like become aware like hey listen um like pay attention. Like when, when we go somewhere, like we go, we're walking around the mall or we're doing something. It's like, pay attention to, you know, what mom is wearing, pay attention to what dad is wearing. Um, you know, make sure, you know, uh, like our phone numbers, just in case you get lost or something like that. But like, it's kind of like situational awareness type things of, 
of um you know knowing like this is something i do it's kind of like knowing <laughs> like knowing where the hey. exits are knowing where the escape routes hey. are knowing like different things you know what i'm saying <laughs> i don't blame you <laughs> it's probably really good things to know nowadays <laughs> Yeah, it has become a yeah. slightly crazy world. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, but again, like, not, it's not, it's not about living in fear, though, right? It's, no. it's about, yeah. Where? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where? <laughs> Man, I, I had another question that I wanted to ask you, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, blanking on what it was. And you had asked about our programming. Jump into that, like what we do with the survivors. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, how how does that work? Because obviously, that's such. Such an important aspect. I mean, you mentioned one of the things you mentioned there um, is the the shame that people come under, you know, and it's it's such a twisted just mechanism and I think scheme of of the the devil to like try to with anything um, to try to like keep us in bondage through shame and through fear. And that's what it does. That's the nature of this because it's such a it's such a dark thing. And and that's the, the nature of of darkness is that it like wants to stay in the dark. And so, you know, shame becomes this thing that's like if you're under enough shame, you don't want anybody to know. And so you kind of you you stick with it, you keep going through it. And that often can be something that um can be very not difficult for God, but I mean but difficult for a, a human <laughs> to yes. process and to really have that unraveled in their life, especially if it's gone on for an extended period of time. So yeah, I'm very curious to know about like your process for helping people to, to come to that place of freedom. Shame and that feeling of unworthiness that they don't feel like they deserve any better. Um, one thing we have found with so far with the over 6,000 victims that we have worked with, is the vast majority of them have a history of sexual abuse as a child. So most of them have become abused at an early age sexually by somebody. Wow. And that right there put that root of shame in them and wow. it made them more vulnerable. It does, it's very damaging to a person. So um, one thing that I love that Sailor Freedom does is it really, we start with therapy with you know trauma. We start with a lot of trauma therapy but we do a lot of therapy around sexual abuse and getting to that root feeling of shame. Um, Cause we've from interviewing people that, that maybe get rescued from or get um, out of trafficking and then they go back in is often because they haven't dealt with that, that shame, that root cause that's allowing them to let people control them. So we do a lot of that um, working around the, uh, the trauma that they feel because of the sexual abuse. And I think that's one of the things that, really needs to be um, done to anybody who's gone through any sort of sexual abuse. And then we help, you know, also most of them come with a drug addiction because that's another thing the traffickers do is they try very hard to get them hooked on some sort of substance because that's another way they can control them. Control. And, uh -huh, and then the, the victims are willingly taking the substance because it's probably a lot easier to go through what they're going to go through if they're not mm. really feeling at all emotionally. And they become numb because they're under the influence. So we do a lot with trauma therapy, mental health counseling, and um, drug addiction. So that's kind of where we start because you got to get somebody somewhat stabilized. And then um, we, our program goes up to two years. And then after they graduate our program, they're allowed to stay with us continuously through our mentorship program. So um, we go, we work on everything from life skills 
Um, if you think about if they were in trafficking as a teenager and the average time in the life of trafficking is seven years. So by the time we often get in touch with them, they're in their early 20s. So think about what you learn from your teenage years to your early 20s. You normally learn how to drive. You learn how to cook. You learn you know, yeah. basic budgeting. So we are basically starting from scratch with a lot of them. I mean, a lot of them have really good survival skills. I'll say that. <laughs> and they're mm -hmm. very uh, resourceful. But, you know, a lot of them don't have a driver's license. So we work with them on driver's license, um, budgeting, cleaning. Yeah. Um, and then we go on to employment skills. We'll actually do a lot of career testing with them and decide what do they want to do. We do try to encourage everyone to get their GED. And we have quite a few um, residents right now working on their GED. And then from there we go, do you want to go to tech school? Do you want to go to college? And we'll help them. Whatever they want to do, we will help make their dream come true. And um, I, that's what I love. We're giving them a chance to have another life. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. The life they wanted, not the life that was kind of thrown upon them. Wow. That's so amazing. That's so amazing, yeah. man. The it is. We, we have a girl right now just got accepted into engineering college. So, wow. um, and just so many stories of, you know, people going from being arrested 17, 18, 40 times and now, They've got their college degree, they're married, they own a home, they're taxpayers. You know, it's just, you can do yeah. a complete turnaround on somebody with, with help. Yeah. Man, that's so awesome. Uh, what, what would you say? And I mean, not necessarily specifically for, for Selah, but in, in general, I don't know if this is, again, this might be a, a, just a speculation. I don't know, but what would you say as far as, um, you mentioned people that come out of human trafficking and then end up going back into it. Would you say, is that like a high percentage of people that, that end up falling back into it? Or do you think that's a relatively low number? Without, um, without proper programming, they're going to go back into it. Same with drugs. It's very hard to cycle yeah. to break because they're not getting to that root cause of their unworthiness. Uh, their feeling of unworthiness. Let me correct myself. Um, so sure. if you can't correct that, we had one girl and she went through um, drug court, I think 12 times. So she went programming 12 times and she said she just go, kept going back, going back. Wasn't until she got to Sela and got the therapy around the sexual abuse that then she was able to get out of it. And I'm not saying Sela is the only answer, but going through some sort of programming to help get to that, that root cause um, and yeah. dealing with that trauma that they experienced because our, our brain will keep reliving the trauma and keep making us feel like we're unworthy. So we try to get them past that. Yeah. So really it's, it's like dealing with the, it's getting to that, that those root kind of identity issues, right. Of, um, of somebody remembering or, or coming to that, that place of understanding of who they are, of like the worthiness, the dignity that they have, the value that, that they, that, that their life is because, I mean, you think about, especially if you are, you know, swept up into this as a, as a kid and you're, or, you know, kid, teenager, whatever, but you're sold to other people for their, you know, whether we're talking about sexual purposes or for, you know, forced labor or what it is. But I mean, you're, you're, you're being sold to other people. Um, that, I mean, what does that do to you in terms of like the, the value? Like you got to feel like you're not worth anything like if this is the like if you're basing the value of your life on the actions of of what people are doing to you 
Um, so I, I can totally see that where, you know, that you would need that you would need that that I, I restoration of of identity and the way that you can, you know, see yourself and that value that you can begin to place on your own life so that you can consistently to walk in freedom to recognize like, I'm never going back to this because that's, that's not who I am. That's not, you know, what defines me. Yeah. Create a whole new identity, which is wonderful when it happens. It's a beautiful transition. Yeah. Um, One of the other things that was disturbing to me, and I don't remember if this was from the movie or somewhere else, (laughs) but uh, I've heard recently that it's something like 90% of, um, of prostitute of prostitution is human trap. Like is, uh, so, so if we, yeah, so like 90% of prostitutes are being trafficked. Yes. They're being forced. Is that. Yes. It's um, true. That's, I, I've heard between 85 and 90%. So I'm sure it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to get an exact statistic, but yes. Yeah. And, and we do a lot of education around that. Um, and, and we even go in, especially the high school and college students. I mean, we try to teach them about prostitution and a lot of people think it's, it's victimless. Like, Oh, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Right. This person must want this. I'm helping them pay their bills. They want this. Um, you know, this is just a business transaction. Mm -hmm. Looking at some of the situations and seeing some of the, uh, where police things are held and all, I don't know how people can really believe all of that, but, but I do understand the concept that in society, a lot of us feel like prostitution is kind of victimless that they're just, you know, exchanging yeah. money for something. But I, that's what we do a lot of education around. So we go into high schools and colleges and tell them, you know, like, look, when you go to college and, and the group says, hey, let's get a hooker or whatever, and educate them on how these people are being forced to do this. And yeah. often 15 up to 40 times in a day, like you're not one person. Um, so educating the general public, I think helps. Um, there are a lot of programs right now, um, buyer reform programs um, that are helping to reform and educate buyers of sex who often have a sex addiction. So that's a whole other side that we don't deal with, but I'm very glad that somebody is dealing with that. Um, Yeah, for sure. So I think that does help letting people understand that they're not doing this by choice. Very. I would hope. Yes. I would, hope that the, I would hope that the average person that maybe has that mindset, like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm paying for sex. It's victimless. You know, I'm an adult. Hopefully this, you know, person is an adult or whatever. But like, you know, someone that might think that way, that right. hopefully if they were to, you know, see behind that curtain and recognize like, no, this person is doing this against their will. Like they're being forced into this. They're a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're a modern day slave and like you're participating in this that's where like a lot of this it's like the 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 participation in it uh, the other the other part of this and this is probably the last question that we're going to have time for um i did want to ask you about the connection between human trafficking and the pornography industry because it, it, that's like an area that it's like i feel like those two worlds are so closely related and maybe you can shed some some more you know light on that but that's an area where there is a lot of participation by 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 so i mean millions and millions of people in this country that participate in you know in you know 
pornography in different ways and that it seems like that's a big a big arm of this too right that it's like propping up this um this uh sex trade industry in in a lot of different ways is that accurate or what would yeah you I, I was surprised to learn how close um pornography and strip clubs are tied to the mm. um trafficking industry uh, a lot of times with their traffickers that's how they'll start they start forcing the victims to do pornography or strip one or the other okay. to bring money in and then it slowly works up to actual sexual acts so um there is a lot of people being forced to to take photos of themselves or coerced to take photos of themselves or film and then also stripping i i thought all strippers just did that because they wanted to, but I had no idea that people were being forced to yeah. get up there to earn money, but they are. So I think consumers of both should be aware that, you know, the person you're watching may be being beaten if they don't bring in enough money. Like it's, it's not a, might take away some of the excitement for the consumer. And if, and if you can, if you can stop the flow of money, then the whole industry will stop because yeah. that's why people are doing, you know, yeah, that's what it's about, fueling right? it feeling a lot of yeah. it. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And, th and that, and that's a thing too, that I, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't super aware of that either really till you said it just now of, of, uh, like strip clubs and, and that, that aspect of it. And it's like, um, yeah, it's like that, that it's like the participation in this stuff is, I can't imagine it would be at the same extent that it is now if there was, you know, really this blanket awareness of, the darkness that's that is really all about this you know and so right. that's why i i appreciate so much um what organizations like say la freedom is doing and uh you know of course we talked about the movie sound of freedom and there's others i mean so many out out so many others out there that are just like really on the front lines of this issue and uh, i'm just so appreciative um stacy for you for your time for your leadership in this for your organization and what you guys are doing to raise this awareness because again this is a this is a problem that exists and is allowed to thrive because it, so much of it is still going on in darkness. Um, and so I, I think the more that we can have conversations like this and and shed, shed as much light on this as possible, then I, I think that it's at least a step in the right direction. Agree. And thank you for having us on. This, it's podcasts like this that help us get the news out. So we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Really Before I let you go, would you share uh, just briefly about um, maybe uh, just your website or point people to where they could go to find out yeah. some more about what you guys do? Maybe somebody out there is inspired to uh, lend some financial support or something like that. Uh, where That'd could they wonderful. go to, to find out? Wonderful. It's com, And yes, any, any amount of support is appreciated. We have our fundraiser coming up. Um, that's in the Tampa and Sarasota area. That's this fall. We have an angels club, which starts at like $15 a month. If, if that's what you can do, we'd be so thankful for that too. Well, if you want to do 15,000, we'd be thankful for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but Come anything, on. anything we have, a, we've launched a new um, freedom t-shirt. Um, so you can go on to our store and buy merchandise that helps, you know, helps bring in funds too, but also spreads awareness. Um, and then if anybody wants to volunteer, we always are looking for volunteers if you're in the Sarasota um, area. Awesome. So good. I appreciate it very much, Stacey. Thank, Thank you. you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
Yeah, and thanks everybody for checking out this episode. Appreciate you guys as well. If you haven't seen the movie Sound of Freedom, get out there and see it. And uh, I would just encourage you so much, especially if uh, the Lord is, you know, you, you feel like some kind of tug at your at your heart right now. Um, let it move you to to action. Um, you know, even if it's just in the form of talking about it more, getting more educated on this, if it's lending support, if it's boots on the ground, whatever it might be. But um, this is a problem that's so pervasive in our world today. It seems to be expanding and getting worse, but um, the way that that stops is when we shine light in dark places. So um, however you'd be led to do that, I just encourage you so much to just get involved and uh, appreciate you guys again. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. God bless.